Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty podcast with your host, Dan Myler. Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. That's Matt Price. Over there is Ryan McDowell, and we're hitting you up with episode 561 of the show. Got a lot of fun stuff to get to. We're going to take a look at some potential NFL draft capital, something new to the show, but should be a fun comp- conversation. Try to talk about how uh, landing spots and draft capital could affect some of these prospects that we're all watching every single week. We got our sleeper stash of the week. Uh, we got three more fun rookies to talk about as well, Matt. But uh, first, how you doing, bud? Doing well. Uh, yeah, we got all kinds of draft capital stuff to talk about. Rookies, uh, is, this is going to be a fun show. I'm, I'm still having fun with this rookie class, still getting to know it. We've gone through, what, like 36 something rookies already but it seems like we have like at least 24 to 30 still to go gosh there's so many fun rookies in this class there really is and ryan you've been watching these guys and trying to keep an eye on where they're landing and how high they're gonna go in the draft is your head spinning yet uh it is for sure yeah i I wish it i actually wish it was spinning a little bit more i was looking back at uh some of the moves that we were talking about this time last year and we had Russell Wilson traded. We had Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams trades. And, uh, you know, I started thinking maybe this, this off season's a little boring. I'm, I'm looking for a shakeup soon. <laughs> you like, uh, you, you're more like the baseball trade deadline kind of guy. You need a lot of action packed in. I like, lasts I like a long some time for sure. Yeah. There's uh it's, it's been trickling in not a lot of big <laughs> stuff, but, uh, we're going to cover what has come through over the last few days or the last week for sure. Uh, here in the startup right now. The startup. So we are recording on Monday night. And as you all know, the owner meeting, owners meetings have started uh, down there in Arizona. And, you know, often we get a lot of a lot of blurbs, right? A lot of little little hits uh, across the timeline that catch our eye as dynasty managers. And those are starting to trickle in here on Monday evening um, from coaches, comments and and uh Little little anecdotes, I would say, from coaches, GMs, and uh, NFL owners as well. So let's go over a few of these guys before we uh, move on. Let's start with one of those guys that we're waiting for the big shoe to drop, right? It's Lamar Jackson, according to uh, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh. He said he expects Lamar to be the team's quarterback this season. Uh, though we found out, Ryan, on Monday that that Jackson requested a trade from the Ravens before he got that tag. So 
a lot of us thought he was upset with the team, ready to move on. It seems we might have got some confirmation of that. Yeah, I mean, this was a messy situation and with the 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 franchise tag, the lower tag being placed on Lamar Jackson, the uh the salary demands, reported salary demands for you know, potentially as much as $250 million guaranteed. It it was just messy already. And I feel like it got even messier today. So I don't know. I mean, I, I know I just asked for the action and, and that's, that's what I love to see in the off season. But at the same time, this story is just, uh, it's just frustrating from a fan standpoint. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what to root for at this point with this story. Well, the thing is now dynasty managers, Matt, we have to, we have to try to react to it. Or, or maybe the best thing is to, to just sit tight and keep watching, keep an eye out. Is there anything we can do right now for a Lamar man- manager at this point? Yeah, I think you buy the dip. If, if anyone is taking this as bad news, like, or is frustrated with this situation is willing to move Lamar Jackson at a reduced price, or he's going to start falling ADP because of this. I want to buy more shares. I, I want I want more of Lamar Jackson. I'm not worried about Lamar Jackson. He's going to play in the NFL again. Uh, I wish the Ravens would just pay him. I don't think this requesting a trade thing really really changes anything. I mean, it would basically seemed like they were fishing for a trade anyway. So I'm staying the course. I think he's still around the quarterback four, three, four, somewhere in there for me. I like the rushing quarterbacks, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep acquiring if it means cheaper prices. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask Matt. I know you you keep keep a good track of player trade uh, trade value. I was gonna see if you felt like Lamar's price was was dropping at all. Have you seen that um, in your leagues or or anything that you track? I haven't really seen any movement. Honestly, I think people are just. I think they're afraid either either direction. You know, I think like you're they're afraid to buy because what if he misses the season and I have a contending team and this is an expensive super flex piece, you know. Um, but on the other side, like you don't want to sell too low and then he comes back and 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 really has a Lamar, Lamar Jackson season. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, we see that Bateman is on track to come back. You know, I hope we we hope they're going to continue building the offense around him if he does come back. So. Uh, I just think I think people are kind of like a deer in headlights right now. I did. It see, certainly feels that way to me. Sorry, sorry, Dan. I did see one other report from our buddy Josh Norris from Underdog, who um, pointed out that I, I guess because the Ravens placed that that tag on Lamar Jackson, if they do trade him, uh, even if it's a tag and trade situation, they can't take more than the two first rounders that that go along with that that tag right. so um you know i mean that ultimately that means lamar's probably not getting traded because his open market value is certainly worth more than two first rounders i'm hoping that there's yes. more more news coming this week with these owners getting together maybe there's Maybe there's a little bit of information we can glean off of off of one of these guys, whether it be the, one of the the owners that are that are there and hear something, one of the GMs, somebody in Baltimore that gives us anything. Harbaugh saying anything other than that he expects Lamar to be his quarterback sure. that would be newsworthy. 
it right this is you know he had to say that so I, I don't think there's too much to take from it as a dynasty manager i do agree with matt though if there's a if there's a dip at all uh try to take advantage next bit of news we got came from san francisco 49ers general manager john lynch said the team would have a competition for the starting quarterback job between brock purdy trey lance and sam darnold but that purdy quote has earned the right end quote, to start and call him the leader in the clubhouse. So, you know, I, I like this. Purdy played so well, uh, Ryan. He he led the team um, to the NFC Championship game as a rookie. I, I like the way that sounds. Uh, I, I Maybe I, you could count me a tad surprised that they said it in public because yeah. they have so much invested in Trey Lance. Um I still expect Lance to be the guy because of his athleticism and, and because what they have invested in him. But this is a, I guess a feather in the cap of, of the, I guess, second year quarterback Purdy. Yeah, for sure. And and not only a surprise that they would come out and say that, but a surprise given Purdy's uh, questionable status when it comes to uh, his health, his injury, and when he's going to be, uh, be able and be ready to play. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk that, maybe Trey Lance is on the trade block. And this makes me think that that is uh, becoming more and more of a possibility. It's, it's just a, you know, it's been a fun ride with Brock Purdy because it started out after he wins the first couple games, taking over uh, for, for Garoppolo there. It, it started out as a, a nice, you know, a cute story, Mr. Irrelevant. And, and even on this show, uh, after a month, we start talking about maybe he's the guy and we all kind of shrug that off, laugh that off and say, no, it's still Trey Lance. And the further that went on, the more success Brock Purdy had, uh, it, it finally sunk into us and, and for so many others that we've got to take this guy seriously as a potential starting quarterback. We've got to value him that way. Um, and, and I think it, I think at this point we have to start asking ourselves in super flex leagues, if we would rather have Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. Matt, if you're, if you're valuing playing players right now, where are you val valuing Purdy? Is he, are you, are you listing him among those end of the like quarterback two type quarterbacks at this point, based on this news or, or which way are you going? I just want to, I want to do the thing where you put your fingers in your ear and go, la, 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 I can't hear you. Like oh, to every, every piece of news that comes out about, about Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. But I kind of agree with Ryan. Maybe it's time to start taking this a little bit more seriously. I still do have Trey Lance well above, well above Purdy in my Superflex rankings. I think I have Purdy somewhere yeah. in the low twenties, something like that, which it's, 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 it, I'm not going to lie. It's a hedge, right? Cause I just don't know if, if he is the starter, obviously he deserves to be way higher. And if he's not, he probably deserves to be, be far lower. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I think I'm still in wait and see mode. I think I'm still going to operate like it's Trey Lance is the guy, but I, that's could certainly be wrong. And probably is wrong, honestly. I do think we, sorry, Matt. I do think we have to be careful with how we're valuing Purdy because as impressive as he was on the field, he's that Shanahan type quarterback that is not going to put up massive uh, fantasy numbers. So, you know, even if, even if he does beat out Trey Lance for the job, even if they trade Trey Lance and, um, you know, that team is clearly Purdy's, 
it's not like he's all of a sudden a, a quarterback one in dynasty or something. You know, he he's in yeah. the Derek Carr, Garoppolo, Daniel yeah. Jones range, right? Like he's in that that mess of quarterbacks from 15 to, to 20, 25, something like that. So uh, it's, it, it's good news for him. It's good news for you if you've got him on your super flex roster, but uh, we, we, we've got to keep a level head about it as well. No, not only that, Ryan, but he's like such a, he's, I feel like he's such a risky asset. Like if he was to get hurt again and Trey Lance was to claim the job, he's dead in dynasty. If he was to end up on another team, I feel like he's, probably yeah. much less valuable than he is right now. So to me, he does not feel safe, even though he is the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak. That longevity is a fear. If you have Purdy, even if you do feel like he's going to start the season as the, the number one guy in the depth chart, Ryan mentioned the injury. That's a serious injury. And we were questioning if he'd get back on the field this summer in time to prepare for the season right now, according to uh, our Superflex ADP Trey Lance comes in at quarterback 19 uh, Brock Purdy down there at quarterback 32. They're certain to get tighter than that in the uh, coming weeks. Let's cover a few more things. Speaking of the 49ers word, Ryan, that they received interest from teams about Brandon Ayuk on the trade market. Tell me if Brandon Ayuk gets traded to any other team, does his value go up or down? I think most likely to go up. Um, you know, he, he's the second or third option there. We've just talked about uh, just the type of offense they're going to have. They don't necessarily want that that home run hitter type of a player at receiver. And really, that's what Ayuk is. That's what he can be. Um, and he's not going to overtake Kittle anytime soon when it comes to the 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 ranks as as options on that team and same for McCaffrey you know his the best he can hope for is overtaking Debo Samuel so I think an IU trade would be almost certainly a good thing for his dynasty value I think so too uh Matt Broncos GM George Patton he also said something that we all have to say of course he's gonna say that but he he mentioned <laughs> that Samaj P Ryan can be the starter while Javante Williams recovers from his ACL injury. Is Pirine one of those guys that is on your bench right now that you feel like early in the season and throughout 2023, you might get enough production out of him that, that he's worth buying at this point? I wish I could still buy him. I think I think maybe the buying ship has sailed in in, in sharper leagues, maybe not in, in, in more in leagues that go a little bit dormant in the offseason, but like I, 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 I think I don't think you can get him for a third rounder anymore. If you can, absolutely do that because no, I think no he's going to be involved early and often. And I, 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 he he was picked by Sean Payton for a reason. I think this this uh, uh, Javante Williams injury is scary. Uh, I think he's you know he's certainly going to miss some time. And I think that that Payton uses a two back system. We remember the the Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara years. Both of those players had value. So I think even when Williams comes back. P Ryan is going to be uh, a good producer for us. So yes, I'd like to go get him, but I'm not sure I want to pay more than like a late second. And I think maybe that price is, I don't think we're going to get that anymore. Ryan, his yeah, I think P was RB 62. It's going to be a lot higher in April. Yeah. Whatever, whatever cut in half means in ADP. That's what we <laughs> might get there. Um, 
I think the more notable thing here from this blurb, and you're right, the, the guy that j- they just signed as uh, off, off the free agent market, they're going to have some nice things to say about him, of course. What's more notable is essentially admitting that Javante Williams will not be ready. And uh, yeah. Matt, you kind of said, you made it sound like that was a, a foregone conclusion that he would miss time. I think most dynasty players up until the past few weeks have been assuming he uh, that Javante Williams would be back in time for week one, that the injury happened early in the year. And we kind of chalked those ACL injuries up to um, nine, nine to 11 months uh, as, as far as recovery and, and, and just assume that these guys are going to be back. And of course we learned the, uh, the hard lesson last year that that's not always the case. And, uh, and, and JK Dobbins missed the first uh, big chunk of the season. I think Patton here is, is basically saying Javante Williams is a pup candidate at this point. And, yeah. um, and, and that's only going to help P Ryan's value more. P Ryan's one of those how, guys how much that you, think... you want added to a Go trade ahead. right now. You want to work him oh, yeah. in and, and, yep, and yep, get yep. him, uh, get him on your bench right now. If you can, how much do you think P Ryan weighs? <laughs> Just guess. I, I, I was surprised. He weighs 240 yeah. pounds of carry, according to PFR. He is a big back who can catch the ball, and that's what we like in yeah, our running like backs. That. That's what I like in my running backs. A couple more things real quickly. Uh, I can take this one by myself, I think. <laughs> Jets head coach Robert Sala <laughs> said he's not hitting the panic button about a Rodgers trade. I'm, if you're on Twitter, you probably can't say the same about Jets fans and Packers fans at this point, or I guess NFL fans. Uh, we'll all just continue to stay tuned there as if we have any choice. And then, uh, uh, going back to John Harbaugh of, of the Baltimore Ravens, Matt, he said Rashad Bateman should be running within three weeks. Harbaugh also mentioned in mid January that Bateman would be ready to, to ready to run full speed soon. So, um, if you're holding Rashad Bateman in a dynasty right, league right now, are you are you looking for good news to try to unload him? Or are you still hoping he reaches that ceiling that we thought he had coming out of Minnesota? I, I think I'm, I think I'm holding. I think he looks good on the field. We have a new offensive coordinator that's going to want to throw the ball more. I hope Lamar Jackson is back. So uh, I still like him. I'm I'm still holding. And if you can get him for less than a first round pick right now, I, I like I like buying. I'd I, honestly I think I'd rather buy him for a second. I mean, this is not really saying anything, but I'd rather buy him for a second than I would for P. Ryan. Yeah, you you can get him for less than a first. His his value, his ADP seems to have dropped quite a bit, and I get it. He's been hurt both seasons, and um, I still don't know if he's a good wide receiver in the NFL. So we're still waiting to to find that out on a consistent basis. Yeah, fringe wide receiver three, according to March ADP at wide receiver 36 overall. He's he's fallen down there in some of these drafts into the 70s and 80s. Uh, not everybody sold on him, that's for sure. Sleeper stash of the week. Yeah, let's get a sleeper stash of the week where we take a look at a player outside our top 280 P that we think should make their way onto your roster. Matt, who we got this week? We have uh, the form, someone who was formerly thought, you know, kind of on the same level as Brees Hall. We have Isaiah Spiller. Obviously, that is not the case anymore. Uh, he has certainly fallen off uh, since, really, since we started the draft process uh, last off season, and he kind of, we saw him kind of tumble down our ranks into and into our rookie drafts. 
And uh, but he landed up in, in a good spot. He landed with the Chargers, a really a really fun offense that we're all excited about uh, with a good quarterback, obviously. And we have Austin Eckler. You know, he's basically trying to get out of town because they don't want to pay him, and they're certainly not going to pay him. If you know anything about the Chargers front office, they uh, they they like to pinch pennies, uh, and they are not going to pay Austin Eckler. So um, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be handed to Spiller. Joshua Kelly is still there, and and he certainly showed improvement last season over his previous years in the league and I'm sure they would probably add someone in draft too uh, with this deep running back class but Spiller I think is worth a flyer at this point coming in uh, at uh, just outside of the top 200 uh, in our March ADP so Spiller is the stash of the week and that stash of the week is brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world download their app join a new dynasty league or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place dynasty drum beats yeah let's take a look at some of these potential draft capital and and landing spots for some of these incoming rookies based on some of the mock drafts that are out there right now, Ryan, we always mention grinding the mocks and you looked at that, but you, you really, you were grinding the mocks really uh, <laughs> over the last few days, checking out a handful of these and uh, making notes for us to, to do this exercise. Was there anything that really came to, came to mind when you were putting all this together? Yeah, I mean, I think there's several things that we can can glean from these. We'll talk about a bunch of those here over the next few minutes. But, um, you know, I just think sometimes I, I see or hear those comments that mock drafts are are, are are worthless or, you know, as soon as the draft comes and, and goes, they're uh, things that we can forget about. I think it's really, it, it's really eye-opening some of the things you can uh, learn or um, – you know, assume based on these, these mock drafts, not only uh, about the specific rookies, but about uh, teams potentially filling needs. And I mean, it's easy to spot some trends. Again, we'll talk about a couple of those when, when the same team is predicted to, uh, to draft a wide receiver or a tight end in in the first round. Um, So between, between the incoming rookies um, and, and what it says about, their potential veteran teammates. I think there's a lot to learn from um, studying these mock drafts leading up to the NFL draft. And yeah, we got about a month until, until that happens. Yeah. And you, you looked at eight mock drafts plus, plus looked over grinding the mocks as well. So nine, nine uh, reference points, really the guys you, or the, the mocks that you looked at included Daniel Jeremiah's, the CBS mock, Mel Kuyper's from ESPN, uh, the PFF mock, Eric Edholm has his mock. You check that one out. Charles Davis's mock, Danny Kelly's. That's a good one as well. And then Chad Reuters as well as um, grinding the mock. So let's let's start at the top. Um, and, and really, we'll just lump all three of these quarterbacks in together, fellas. It's CJ Stroud, it's Bryce Young, and it's Anthony Richardson. Every one of those mocks, all, all eight mock drafts, as well as grinding the mocks had all three of these guys going in the top five and all but one were in the top four, actually, Ryan, this isn't a surprise for anybody really at this point, right? Everybody's expecting these quarterbacks to go and maybe you can throw Will Levis's name in this as well. We'll talk about him in a minute, 
nobody's going to be surprised when all three of these guys go in the top five and that's going to do a lot for their dynasty value. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think post uh, post Carolina trade, it has, it has become pretty clear uh, that CJ Stroud is going to be the one one. at least that's the, uh, th- that's what seems to be the heavy favorite right now. In fact, Stroud was the, 101, the quarterback one to Carolina in seven of those eight mock drafts. Bryce Young was the quarterback two to Houston in seven of those eight mock drafts. And Anthony Richardson was the QB three in seven of those eight mock drafts. Mm So we're certainly seeing a pattern. Um, I've seen a lot of Anthony Richardson, Malik Willis comps. And I mean, I kind of get where that's coming from, but this time one year ago, Malik Willis was projected to be the 17th overall pick. Um, and, and obviously we know he fell far from that projected status, but Anthony Richardson is projected to be the fourth pick. Uh, you can have concerns about him as a passer, his accuracy, uh, how long it might take him to, um, to, to become a, a, a real NFL quarterback but I don't think we can dra- doubt his draft capital at this point. He's going to be a top five pick and he's going to have that security baked into his dynasty value. And the consensus is that Stroud and Young are going to be the top two picks at yep. this point. Maybe Richardson upends one of those guys throughout the process over the next month. Richardson, on the other po- on the other hand, Matt, he, according to all these mocks, is going in the top four or excuse me, the top five, either three, four, or five to Indianapolis, Seattle, or Detroit. Those are the three landing spots. Is there a specific spot that you would love to see Anthony Richardson fall to? I mean, it just depends on what you want for him, because if he lands in Indianapolis, like how how long does he sit behind the reunion of Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles? So if we want to see him play right away uh, and it looks like that's overwhelmingly the this, the landing spot for him based on this this data, then we're going to get it right away and we're going to see if he's good right away. We're going to see if he can be a fantasy producer right away in Detroit and Seattle. I think he's obviously going to have to sit, you know, Goff has played very well there and Gino just got a big new contract. So uh, of these spots, I definitely like Indianapolis uh, just for, you know, selfish dynasty reasons. Yeah. My dynasty brains t- says Seattle. Cause I want him to sit for a couple years and take over for Gino and be a stud right away. When he starts playing, I, I fear uh, some lack of success holding him back if he gets on the field as a rookie but maybe that's uh that's not the right way to look at things let's move on to the next quarterback it's will levis ryan he's uh he's down there in your neck of the woods and he lands all over the board according to these yeah. mocks he goes as high as three to indianapolis that's in mal kuyper's mock but as low as 19 overall to tampa bay which isn't isn't all that bad of a landing spot either there's there's a lot of different opinions when it comes to Will Levis. I know you're a fan of him, but you're 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 a bit of a homer when it comes to Levis, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on these potential landing spots and how different they are throughout these mocks? Yeah, you're you're right. I I am a homer, but also trying to keep a level head a little bit uh, when it sure. comes to Will Levis. Um, you know, it it wasn't so long ago that it it was the group of four quarterbacks, and now it's the group of three quarterbacks. And I think we have to to realize that Levis is certainly, um, you know, his his stock is dropping. Uh, I know some people don't like that terminology when it comes to these draft prospects, but 
that's how we can look at it. You mentioned being as high as three to Indianapolis with, with Kuiper. Kuiper loves Will Levis. Uh, I, I think if we throw that one out, we're looking at a range for Levis uh, between seven to Las Vegas and all the way down to 23 to Minnesota. So still, even oh, even uh, even uh, get, getting rid of that Kuiper projection, we're still looking at a very wide range. But to me, the takeaway is this is a guy who looked like a, a, a top five lock, um, you know, two, three, four weeks ago. And now that's certainly not the case. I think it's uh, I think it's very possible that he falls out of the top 10 at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to happen. There's there's such a need at quarterback, and you can point to a lot of teams right in that range where there is that great need. And that arm strength, it chills through. So we'll see how that plays out in super flex leagues, how that's going to affect his value. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. I want to talk about JSN. That's Jackson Smith and Jigba, Matt. And, you know, he's moving up the mocks, right? Every single week, every time I look at a mock, he – he was routinely in the 20s and then routinely in the teens. And now now it seems to be uh, commonplace to see him go 11 to Tennessee or 12 to Houston. There's a chance he ends up a top 10 pick, and that's going to do a lot for his dynasty value. Personally, I have him ranked high. He's he's my favorite non-Bijan, non-quarterback, which isn't that which isn't that rare. But I'd take him, I'd take him as the as the third player in Superflex right now. I love JSN. Yeah, I take him. I take him in the fifth as the fifth overall pick. But I love him too. He's he's outside of Bijan. He's the only non-quarterback I'm taking. Uh, is Houston gonna, if, if, if he range. lands in Houston at twelve? Is that gonna is that gonna sour your feelings about JSN? No, no because uh, presumably Bryce Young is going to be throwing to him, and I like Bryce Young quite a bit. So I actually like that they'll be able to grow together. Uh, so no, I, I would be completely fine with Houston there. If he fell to 20 or excuse me, 16 to the chargers there, uh, then I would like that quite a bit too. Tennessee is my, it would be my least favorite of these landing spots. Unless they find their way into a different quarterback, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, how about Bijan Robinson? He's the next guy on our list. We got to get to big range once again, but every one of these mocks, have Bijan Robinson going in the top 27 picks. We saw landing spots as high as Chicago at nine or Philadelphia at 10, which would be intriguing, and as low as Buffalo at 27. Some fun landing spots in there for sure. The funnest one I've seen recently is probably the Chargers with Bijan Robinson. With everything happening down there in Los Angeles, uh, that seems like uh, a nice little landing spot for our guy Bijan. Yeah, that could be for sure. I, I talked at the beginning of this conversation about all the things that we can learn from studying these mocks. And one thing I learned is that nobody knows where Bijan Robinson is going uh, because we have we have eight mock drafts here. We have eight different potential landing spots for Bijan Robinson. New England, Chargers, Buffalo, Washington, Dallas, Philadelphia, Seattle, Chicago. It seems like we hear the Philadelphia landing spot and the Buffalo landing spot quite often. Of course, those te- those are two teams uh, sitting with uh, late first-round picks. Of course, the Eagles also have that 10 overall pick. Um, it- it's just tough because there's, you know, you see both sides of the coin here with Bijan Robinson, obviously uh, a very talented player, one of the most 
uh, one of the best running back prospects we have seen in years. But we also know the general value of the running back position right now. Will a team spend a top 10, even a top 15 pick on this player? I wouldn't if I were running an NFL team. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have Bijan Robinson on my roster because I think other teams would would draft him before I was willing to, especially given the depth of this running back class. Uh, so my head tells me Bijan Robinson falls to the 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 twenties in the first round, and one of these contending teams scoops him up. Truth is, though, doesn't matter for Dynasty. Uh, we're gonna pick him number one in our in our rookie drafts, and and we're gonna be pretty thrilled it, about about it, no matter what. Ryan made a face, and he was kind of I think like visualizing what was going on in my head. Is it is it absolutely ridiculous at this point to consider a quarterback over Bijan at one hundred and one in Superflex because? I don't know. Maybe it's just we've talked about him for so long, but I'm starting to like kind of feel like if I have multiple 101s across leagues, maybe, and I need a quarterback, maybe I might take a quarterback in one of them instead of Bijan. Yeah, well, it's not crazy I think at for, all. I think for trade value alone, you have to take Bijan. Uh, yeah, because, that's a good point. You know, if you take Stroud or Young instead or Richardson, I you think you could trade. Value. I think you could trade Bijan for a a a yeah. better quarterback than that, right? Can maybe you can get Fields for him. Maybe you can get, uh, you know, add to him and and uh, you know really aim high and get Trevor Lawrence or something um, versus one of the rookies. So I think he has to be the one hundred and one. I don't think it's crazy to to value a quarterback ahead of him in general. And then I'm just looking at this New England landing spot. I don't know what our guy Daniel Jeremiah was doing to us, and it really scares me because he, um, you know, he is he, he's he's one of the most trusted sources. He has sources within the league, um, and to see him predicting that, I, I definitely hope his his next mock draft has something uh, different than that. Because not only would that be a pretty gross landing spot for Bijan in general. But obviously, it would uh, it would greatly hurt uh, the value of Ramondre Stevenson as well. The the Danny Kelly one landing in Seattle at twenty that was a little bit scary as well. Uh, I think there was also a Dallas landing spot in one of those at nineteen overall. So uh, one of the other things I I really noticed after studying these landing spots, guys, was at at wide receiver there was only one other wide out that was mocked in the first round every single time across these eight mocks and that was jordan addison he's going anywhere from i think 12 overall all the way down to 27 so another big range you throw quentin johnson in there or johnston excuse me he actually didn't go in the first round of chad reuter's mock draft so he went in the 20s with every single one of those mocks these wide receivers, and, and you can throw in Zay Flowers in this as well. Now he's going in six of the eight mocks in the 20s between 21 and 27. The Chargers at 21 was a popular one. I think he went three of the six times to the Chargers. When you look at these wide receivers, Matt, these first-round guys, these are exciting players that we're looking at at the end in a lot of cases of the first round, especially in Superflex leagues. There's a lot of potential here, but it seems like the mockers don't see elite upside with these guys potentially because they're not always putting them in the first round. 
Yeah, I mean, these, this is the group that has significant flaws. All of them have a flaw. They're all exciting young players, but the little guys are, are little guys that that don't run quite fast enough. Quentin Johnston is a big receiver that doesn't always play big. Uh, so, you know, I think it makes sense that maybe one of these guys falls out, uh, maybe two. I do think we're still going to see at least four wide receivers in the first round. Um, but, yeah, I think all, obviously – I mean, I guess all these guys could make it, but I don't think that they will. At the tight end position, Michael Mayer was mocked in the first round all eight times. Uh, you know, to me, I, I'm a Packers fan. Everybody probably knows that. If you have the Packers taking Michael Mayer in the first round, I throw your mock out. I don't consider any <laughs> Thank of the you. landing spots. Thank you. You, haven't, you haven't thought things through. Uh, other, other tight ends include Dalton Kincaid, who went seven times, uh, including a couple times to the Packers. And then Darnell Washington, Ryan, was an interesting one. Only mocked twice in the first round, 28 to Cincinnati, Kansas City at 31. I I thought he picked up enough steam that I expected him to be a late first in a lot of mocks at this point in the process. Yeah, I think it's just the depth of the position, honestly, um, that that we're going we're not going to see Washington in the first. We're not going to see, you know, Luke Musgrave. He was also mocked twice as a late first rounder. I think the the depth of the position is is just going to push those guys down the board a little bit. Honestly, I expect the same thing to happen to Mayer and, and Kincaid, although they could certainly uh, sneak into the late part of the first round. Uh, there's there's really there's no clarity on who the tight end one is going to be. Like you said, Mayer was a uh, a first rounder, projected first rounder in all eight of the uh, of the drafts, but it was actually Kincaid who was projected to be the tight end one in four of those. Mayer the tight end one in three, and Musgrave got uh, one one nod as well. So, you know, it, it's kind of where we were with the quarterback position a month ago that that we didn't know really the the order of those those four players, and and now we're seeing the same thing at tight end. So we saw Bijan mocked in the first round all eight times, but there wasn't another running back mocked in the first round in any of the mocks. That's something to keep in mind as you think about dynasty value. And then there there were four, or excuse me, there were uh, four quarterbacks, of course, mocked in the first round in all eight, all eight times, Stroud, Young, Richardson, and Levis. Uh, Bijan, of course, at running back, just two wide receivers, Addison and JSN. And then you mentioned Michael Mayer. So that I guess that's the expectation at this point. We'll see how things play out here in a month or so. We're all very excited for it. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, let's uh, let's do, usually we spread things out. But we put Matt in charge of picking our picking our guys this week. And he's <laughs> apparently a Tennessee Vols fan because we're going with Jalen Hyatt, Hendon Hooker, and Cedric Tillman. We'll knock out all all of the all the Vols, I guess, this week, Matt. And we're going to start with Jalen Hyatt, who, by the way, was mocked in the first round a couple of times. In fact, three times: uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, and then Kansas City again. Uh, so there there is some buzz surrounding Hyatt it's all about the speed though you have to really believe that that speed is going to translate to the next level Matt if you're a Jalen Hyatt fan he had the breakout season with the 1200 yards and the 15 touchdowns last season is that enough to put him on on the radar for you as a guy you're going to invest in late in the first round in rookie drafts 
I don't think so. I mean, if he gets that first round capital, then you certainly have to think about it. But it feels like Ryan, Ryan and I were talking before we were recording, and uh, we both kind of feel like he is trending down. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. is stemming from the fact that he disappointed a little bit in the 40. You know, 4-4 four, four is still very fast, but it wasn't the 4-2s like people thought he was going to run. Um, but also, I just think he's a little bit of a limited player. He's such a projection. And the reason why I put these three together is that it feels difficult to talk about them separately because this offense is just so weird and someone who doesn't watch college football when i put on the film you see you know an offense that spreads the field as wide as possible and bunches up receivers on the sidelines and then they create separation by by running these like sideline crossers and off-speed routes where uh, you know that really plays into Hyatt's strength which is his speed and his ability to kind of to vary that speed and use different speeds within the the same route concept but the, the the defense is almost like designed uh to help these guys, you know, create kind of busted coverage and confuse the the opposing defense, right? So it's just difficult to project how that's going to translate to the NFL. You see him running wide open a lot down the sidelines. He makes these really nice full extension grabs with a big catch radius. Um, but we also see him play, you know, 87.3% of his routes from the slot. So uh, he faces off coverage most of the time. Uh, he does run quick slants very, very well, and he's a he's a threat to to take those deep those quick slants to the house. You know, pretty much every time he touches the ball. Um, but uh, he just feels like a player that's not going to get a ton of volume. You don't see a ton of lateral agility on film. You don't see it in the athletic testing. So to me, he's someone who's going to be a, a a player that's going to be very boom bust in the NFL. And I'm not sure that I want to spend my first round rookie pick on that. Yeah, he's. He's uh he's explosive though. He and that that's going to get you a lot of bit of a lot of buzz and and people are going to get excited mm-hmm. about it. You mentioned that 40 time from the combine. There was some talk pre-combine that we could have an elite a truly elite 40 time with Jalen Hyatt. So I know what you're saying with it was that it was disappointing, right? Because there was some of that buzz. I if if he had run that 429 or something like that, a 431 I think people would be going crazy about Jalen Hyatt because of what he did put on film. And you mentioned a lot of things were excited. He's got that elusiveness after the catch. He turns the slant into the big play and he's streaming down the screaming down the sideline for a touchdown. I don't think he needs that, that big target share. He's not a guy that you're going to see 22% next to his name. You're going to see those five, six, seven targets a game but they're downfield or they're in space and that could translate, especially if he is paired with an elite number one receiver. So he can be that over the top um, big play playmaker that could translate to big fantasy numbers. I see a path for Jalen Hyatt and I'm, I'm not completely opposed to investing that first round pick in him. If he gets the the draft capital that's necessary for him to like a team, a coaching staff that really believes in him as the piece to the puzzle that unlocks the, the rest of their offense, I could see him being turning into a dynasty wide receiver too in the future. That's that's a big that's that's the type of upside that we like to have with late first round picks. It's not like you always can can hit it out of the park and get a Justin Jefferson with the eighth pick in your rookie draft, ninth pick in your single quarterback rookie draft. Hyatt might be available right there. And if he's picked late in the first round, I like those guys that have have that big time uh, take the top off the defense type of upside. Ryan, you look at all these mocks and we mentioned that he went in in the first round in a few of them, even grinding the mocks. 
likes Hyatt to to have pretty decent draft capital, right? I think I think his uh, his number was thirty five. I can't I can't find it off the top of my head, but expected to be an early second round pick if he doesn't go in the first round. That kind of draft capital, we see plenty of wide receivers go in that range that turn into uh, guys we want on our dynasty rosters. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, if, if he falls into that second round, which I think is the expectation at this point, uh, I, I mean, that, that that can't be viewed as a negative. The negative coming from that is that not so long ago, he looked like a, a surefire first rounder. He was ranked as the wide receiver one for uh, Lance Zerline, a, you know, a, a scout that we all uh, trust and, and appreciate his work. Um, it, it just seems like, especially after the combine, he, as Matt said, he's kind of trending down. So I think there there are some concerns, and Matt hit on them with the uh, with the Tennessee offense in general. It it became very quickly became one of the. Uh, most fun teams to watch on Saturdays. You know, you looked for those volunteer games because you knew they were going to put up those video game type numbers. They were, it, it was going to be high at running wide open down the field. And, and that's fun to watch. But then when we get to this point in the year, you think about what that offense did to create that. And I mean, you hate to throw that term, but it, it does seem a little bit gimmicky. And, and I think we can say that about Hyatt. And, and about Hendon Hooker as well. well. We'll talk about him soon. But I just think about, you know, think about Hyatt's profile. He was a late breakout, basically did nothing his first couple of years uh, on that volunteer team, despite being a four-star recruit. Um, I mean, we, I think we talked about it on here, Dan, uh, post-combine that he was asked about route running, and he just kind of shrugged that off and said he can run routes because he played in the SEC and, you know, we, we thought that was a, a ridiculous answer at the time. And the more I think about it, the more ridiculous it gets. Um, so he was, he was a combine loser for me. I still have him ranked, uh, in, in single quarterbacks as a first rounder. Uh, but I, I don't love that, that, that I don't love him there. Honestly, I, I feel like he's going to continue to lose some dynasty value in rookie drafts for me. He is seen as a combine loser. And part of that is his workout was not great. He right. he, he had a hard time catching the ball and he, he didn't get a lot of real catchable passes thrown his way. That was, that's a tough break. Um, but the truth is his combine scores were very good. A four, four 40 is mm-hmm. very fast. Not a lot of wide yeah. receivers run that. Uh, a 10, 10 yard split of 1.5 seconds flat is very good. His vertical jump of 40 inches is very, very good. It's, you know, that broad jump of 11-3, excellent. So he profiles as a very athletic player. And his breakout age is is something that is throws up a red flag, right? But for a guy six foot tall, and I know he only weighed in at 176 pounds, um, that that athleticism profile makes you think that there, there might be uh, more meat on the bone in the NFL than maybe he even did in, in Tennessee in that offense that was putting up those video game numbers. I am reserving judgment until I see what the NFL thinks of Jalen Hyatt. If he goes in the first round, he's he should be in the conversation as the, the fourth, fifth wide receiver in dynasty rankings. Um, and that's not always what we see in in our rankings or, or in our mock drafts at this point. Um, let's let's see what happens with him. 
The guy who threw him the ball all the time, Matt, was Hendon Hooker. He was an impressive guy. Listening to him talk at the Combine, he has moxie. He's very charismatic, and he's very confident. Of course, had the injury, and there's all those things that you have to be concerned about. But if you look at the video game-like numbers that Ryan was mentioning, 32 touchdowns and only two interceptions. He ran that offense in Tennessee to perfection. And he, he saw a lot of criticism for throwing to the first read. And he, he, he did the same thing that Jalen Hyatt did. He brushed it off, but he, I, I saw it as a positive. He said, I can't help it that Jalen Hyatt's wide open as my first read. I can't help it that Cedric Tillman is wide open when I turn to him and want to throw him the ball. And that's right. There, there's some people that question if he can read a defense, if he's going to go through progressions. Is that something that you're concerned about with Hooker? And, and are you seeing him as the as the fifth option at quarterback in Superflex Leagues? I mean, I see him as the fourth option at quarterback in Superflex League. So, no, I really, there, <laughs> I really like Hendon Hooker, uh, but there's no question he's a projection based on the offense that he's in. But he has the size to be a pocket passer. It has the athleticism to run occasionally. He's probably not going to be your, your, you know, a threat to run for 100 yards in a game. But you can see him scrambling for a few long first downs every single game. And as a passer, like it's all there, strong arm, accuracy, ball placement. And he's usually hitting those receivers in stride, which to me is one of the things that really contributed to Hyatt's massive success last season was hitting Hyatt and using that speed as an, to his advantage by hitting the perceiver in stride. And then he was just let Hyatt run the rest of the way to the end zone. Right. Um, but he's just such a tough evaluation because of that offense, because of the age at 25, you know, Whedon, Brandon Whedon was a running joke for a long time. He was 28. So he's not quite that old, but 25 is pretty old for a rookie, uh, ACL injury. So he's a, he's a projection, you know, uh, on the negative side, like he holds onto the ball a little bit too long sometimes, um, but he's so accurate. You know, sometimes he doesn't step up in the pocket when that edge defense is coming up from behind him. Like he doesn't have the awareness to avoid those edge rushers um, from that position. Um, but he's he's got all the tools to be successful. And like you said, he's such an impressive you know, young man that I think coaching staffs are really going to like him. So for me, I, I, I'm starting to really think about taking him in the mid middle of that second round. And I would rather spend a mid second round pick or a late second round pick on hooker than I would a mid to late first round pick on Will Levis. You mentioned the accuracy and, and I see a lot of, I see a lot of comparisons to um, Desmond Ritter. That seems to be the common one that you, you hear people say. I see a little bit of Dak Prescott with Hendon, Hendon yeah. Hooker because mm-hmm. he's got yeah. that he's got the ability to stand in the pocket and look like a pocket passer 90 times out of 90. And then the next play, he's forced to be athletic and make a play outside the pocket, but look down the field. He'll pick up the first down if he has to with his legs. But he, a lot like Dak Prescott, has a little bit, he's a little bit underrated with his athleticism. He's he's uh, he's more than more than just a pocket passer and he's willing yeah. to use his legs when he can. The the problem is that ACL tear, Ryan, he that was a yeah. that was a major injury. Right. And it happened late enough in the season that it's it, it's going to affect his draft stock. So when we when we watch the this process play out and and again, according to the mock drafts that we just talked about, he only he did go in the first round in one of those mock drafts. 
and grinding the mocks doesn't doesn't really have a good gauge on where to expect him to go. That's all because of the ACL tear. If he doesn't have that, we could glean something off of that uh, that draft capital when it comes here in a month or so. But because of that injury, we all have to think twice about, oh, no, he slipped to the late second round of the NFL draft. That means the NFL hates him. That could be that ACL tear that pushes him down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can take as much from – I think we have to do our due diligence – with what we see on film at Tennessee and make up our opinion based on that. And we can't take it all from where he lands and how high he goes in the draft. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're looking at a player, even without that injury, that we would have had some clear question marks about as he transitions to the league. You know, the the offense that they ran, that's – that's not an NFL offense. We're not going to see that. And we can pull those positives or negatives from his game. And, 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 you know, we'll see how those translate, but he did, you know, we talked about Levis running that pro style offense. This is the furthest thing from that with Hendon hooker. I mean, the age is just going to be a question mark. He's older than Tua. He's older than Justin Herbert, Pickett, Mac Jones, Jalen hurts, Justin Fields. I mean, he's older than guys who have been in the league for three and four years which is, which is just wild. And um, I mean, when you're, when you're 24 years old and you're tearing up the sec, I mean, we have to, we kind of have to take that into account that he's playing against sometimes teenagers. Right. So everybody, everybody immediately points to Hendon hooker and says, says, Oh, he played in that offense. And, and, you know, we have to see that as a negative, but there are so many positives that came out of what I saw when I watched him. And that is the quick release, quick decision-making that all translates to an NFL offense very, very well. And if, if he can prove that he can move through those progressions, even, even at a, at a average development rate, where it takes a year, a half, a half a year to a year, and then he takes a step forward in year two. We're not expecting him to step into an offense to be a starter day one in the NFL. Right. We are expecting right. him to learn from somebody. And we, we want that nice uh, landing spot where potentially he can learn from a veteran. I think, I think about what if he stayed in Tennessee and played behind Ryan Tannehill for a year? Right, you can say what you want about Ryan Tannehill in Dynasty, but he is a he is more than replacement level. He's a good NFL quarterback, maybe not in fantasy, but he's a good NFL quarterback, a starting quarterback. And Hendon Hooker has the upside to be better than a guy like Tannehill, I think, because of what he because of that quick release and that that accuracy that we talk about. Sure, his age is, is makes us question it, but Lamat mentioned it. We're talking about him in the second round in Superflex uh, rookie drafts. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think he's going to be a value in that range. Um, and ultimately I think he goes in, in the second round of the NFL draft as well. Um, you know, if he does sneak into the late part of the first round as, as Daniel Jeremiah projected, that's kind of the other end of what you said earlier, Dan, that we can't really, maybe we can't factor that draft capital in because of the ACL. If teams look at the age, they look at the ACL they look at the gimmicky offense and they still say, this is a guy that we want to take with our first round pick dynasty managers should be all in at that point. I don't really think that's going to happen though. Uh, I do think he's a day two pick likely a round two pick. And 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's great to say that he can sit behind Tannehill or, or some someone like that and learn. But now we're talking about him being 27, 28 before he even gets a real chance. And yeah, I don't know. This is just probably a player that I'm not going to end up with uh, on, on my rosters if he's if he's a second rounder. I actually hope going back to what I said about the ACL affecting and the age affecting what the NFL does in the NFL draft. I actually hope the opposite happens. I hope he falls to to the third round of the NFL draft, gets a prime landing spot where he can sit for one year, and that forces dynasty managers off him to the point that he slips into the third round in super flex rookie drafts. I could see something like that happening, and then I'm all over Hendon Hooker as, uh, as a late second or early third round pick. Holy cow. That could happen. It might happen. Uh, we need to talk about our third volunteer here. Uh, we got to talk about Cedric Tillman, Ryan. Is there something about that wide receiver two in Tennessee that you love or maybe even hate? Uh, love, love. I'm the more I see and read, see, hear about Cedric Tillman, the more I like, um, I've talked about that offense kind of being, uh, maybe a concern for Hyatt and for hooker to me because of because he doesn't have that elite speed like Hyatt does Tillman played more of a, you know, a traditional wide receiver role. And, and I think that's going to make his transition to the NFL uh, smoother. Uh, he, he had the, the breakout uh, junior season, I believe it was uh, before we really saw much from Hyatt. And um, Matt talked about the at cost price with, with Levis and hooker. Uh, I, I would much rather spend a late second on Tillman than a late first on Hyatt. And Tillman has a little bit more of the the size and weight yeah. that goes along with it, right? He's 6'3", 213. That's that's a that's playmaking height in the NFL. Still ran a four five four at the combine, Matt. He's got some things to like. Yeah, he profiles more as that that X receiver, and you're gonna get questions about his athleticism. Uh, but I, I really like him too. I'm with Ryan. I would rather spend a second on him than a first on Hyatt. I would rather even spend a late second than a late and an early second on Hyatt. Yep. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, he absolutely dominated Georgia and Alabama last season in, in his, uh, in, in the 2021 season against Alabama seven for 152 and a touchdown against Georgia 10 for 200 and a touchdown. He, he's an underrated route runner. I think against that Georgia team, he, he does the, he, he, he demonstrates three route concepts within a single route. He disguises this deep curl by running a, a slant and go, and he creates the separation on the slant and then sells the vertical and then throttles back into that curl. Uh, he is going to be a very good sideline possession receiver in the NFL, I think. And if you're looking for a bigger receiver in this draft and don't want to, you know, spend a mid first uh, or maybe late, late first in a super flex league for a guy like Quentin Johnson. Maybe you have some question marks with him uh, outside of the athleticism. Then I think Tillman is your guy in that late second round. Yeah. And that you, you mentioned the sideline, that body control, hand-eye coordination. He's got great ball skills along the boundary. And, and that translates to a guy that uh, once again, probably not going to be the wide receiver one on his NFL team. And that that caps his dynasty upside. Maybe wide receiver two in our game is is the high end of his value. Matt, I'm I'm wondering what you see as his as his ultimate upside, ultimate potential. Can he be that guy that we're putting in our lineup every single week? 
Yeah, I think so. I think he can. He profiles much more as a guy that can get serious volume than his teammate Jalen Hyatt does. So I think he's got. He's a wide receiver too, as his, excuse me, a fantasy wide receiver too, as his ceiling. And for a late second round pick, I think that's incredible value. I mean, I don't want to say it was completely because of the injury, but I feel like maybe Jalen Hyatt would not have had quite as an amazing season if it wasn't for Tillman's injury. Uh, what was it? Six games into the season, so I really like him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be spending a late second round pick on Tillman uh, for sure. So, what do we accept, expect in the NFL draft, Ryan? Because we see him as this second round pick in in rookie drafts, and that sounds great. I love that. But if he if he gets that day two draft capital, if he's picked as the fifth or sixth, maybe even seventh wide receiver off the board. He could creep up dynasty rankings and we won't get that kind of that kind of value. Yeah, I do think he gets day two draft capital. And we talked about the depth of the running back and the tight end class. I think we're uh, we're going to see the lack of depth in the wide receiver class really push some of these guys up the board. We've we've talked about how the lack of wide receiver options and free agency could push the uh push the rookies up the board as well. I think all of that kind of comes together to make guys like uh, Rashi Rice and Josh Downs and Tillman uh, locks to be day two picks. I think Tillman could be a second round uh, NFL draft pick. Uh, that would not surprise me at all. He's he's definitely not showing up in, in the first round of the mocks that we've seen, but the closer we get, we'll see some of those day two mocks showing up and, and we'll see Tillman's name there, but you're right. If, if he gets that draft capital, maybe higher than expected or uh, higher than being talked about right now, then he, he, he creeps up into that second round uh, and it, it becomes a, you know, he loses some of the value that, that we're talking about him having right now. Yeah. We'll, we, we lost Matt here for the end of the show, but we do need to rank these guys real quickly. Ryan, we'll, uh, we'll this, speak this will for go Matt. better without Matt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> let's start with Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver. We talked about him being a second round type, uh, dynasty pick. Um, I think that holds up in super flex as well. He's going to stick in or excuse me, a, a late first in, in potentially non in single quarterback. He might still be a first round pick in super flex, which is what we're doing our rankings here. But I have a feeling we're going to push him a little bit beyond that. Yeah, just just a little bit. Um, I've got him just above Marvin Mims. We currently have Mims as 13. We have Zach Charbonnet as 12. So that would be my vote to slide him in between those two players. Yeah, I have him right in front of Mims as well, right behind Josh Downs and Charbonnet. Um, I have him at 14 overall in Superflex, so I, I think I'm I'm with you on that. That seems like a, a good landing spot. That puts him at 13 currently. We've talked about most of the big names, but we'll keep moving along. Uh, Hendon Hooker, on the other hand, we're doing these in Superflex rankings. Uh, Matt said he'd have him at QB four. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna ignore that. Uh, where do you have Hendon Hooker in your rankings right now? In Superflex. Yeah, I'm look, looking a little lower than where we placed Hyatt. After Hyatt, we have Mims, Devin A. Chain, Devon A. Chain, Spears. Uh, this is this is kind of the range where I would consider Hooker. Uh, I, w- I would say between Tajay Spears and Rashi Rice. So that would put him 17 overall. Okay. I'd, I'd like, I think I'd take Rashi Rice over him. 
Um, okay. So I I guess I'd make the case for right after Rashi Rice, but we're certainly in the same range. Definitely in front of Sean Tucker. We have Darnell Washington down there, Dalton Kincaid. So uh, Hooker ends up at 18 currently, right behind yep. Tajay Spears and Rashi Rice. Last guy we got to rank, Cedric Tillman. Really, we're we're probably in the same range, right, Ryan? Yeah, I would say between Hyatt and Hooker. Uh, I think I'm going just above Rashi Rice. So that's after Spears, ab- above Rice. Actually, same spot I, I originally suggested for Hooker. Yeah, I. so if you're on the clock, you're... You're gonna take you're gonna take Tillman over his quarterback. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah, I I'm I'm on the opposite side of it. I would I would take Rashi Rice over Tillman. I think I'd take Hooker over Tillman as well. But that's certainly the range. Um, I guess middle ground would be yeah. We're we're good with Hendon Hooker being being one spot. I guess behind Cedric Tillman. Uh, if you want to put him in front of Rashi Rice as well, uh, feel free to. Uh, but that's certainly the the range. We're talking about Tillman and Hooker as mid to late second round picks, most likely in rookie drafts as of right now, depending on uh, where they end up in the draft. And uh, Hyatt seems to be a little bit higher, but I'm, I'm starting to come around with you guys. Maybe Cedric Tillman needs a little bit more attention from dynasty managers considering the price. So that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Matt and Ryan, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.